shot tower. The real NBA hype. Sorry, starting over. Fantasy NBA Hybrid Podcast brought to you by Kyle Stein, Jay and Mike Kimball. It is week 13 in the NBA. The Chicago Bulls are up two games in the East and the Warriors are Suns are three games up in the West. I would be happy with any final series. I had any mix of those three teams. Yeah, any of them. Uh, and, but here we are, the Shot Tower Pod. We're back after a long holiday break. And even though it's already the middle of January, I want to give a shout out to my nephews, Theo and August, who gifted me a glow-in-the-dark basketball on Christmas. That evening, as soon as it was dark, but before dinner, because, you know, they're little, we took the ball to the playground a few blocks away and started shooting hoops. And as happy as I was to receive the gift of the basketball that day, I was even happier watching the pure joy on the faces of my nephews as they sunk some of their very first buckets ever. And it reminded me that basketball is a beautiful game in a lot of different ways. And that was one of them. Another way that basketball is the beautiful game happened just this Sunday. Speaking of the joy of making buckets, this past Sunday, January 9th, 2022, was declared Clay Day by almost all of social media, with Clay Alexander Thompson finally returning to NBA Jack action after two years. It was something nearly the entire NBA could agree upon. And I didn't see a single person, not even opponent, say they weren't happy to see Clay back on the court. And Clay, in his post-game presser, said, I'm so happy I can even look at the stat sheet and see my name there. And I think all of us were happy with Clay's return and just the fact that he's playing again. I want to mention that tonight, um, though this will be after the pod will air after this game tonight. Tonight they play the Memphis Grizzlies. And the Memphis Grizzlies field, I don't know how many players, but a lot, who weren't even in the NBA the last time. Clay Thompson played an NBA game. So uh, I know, Jalen, you have some other thoughts on Clay and the Warriors. Um, why don't you hit us with that? Yeah, well, I mean, I want to reiterate what you said and just say, you know, first and foremost, I'm happy and thrilled to have Clay Thompson back in the NBA, back playing. Um, you know, he's just great for the vibes, he's great for the yeah. entertainment factor. Um, of the NBA, um, you know, and so many people have already talked about this and will continue to talk about it, but um, just getting the whole group back together, um, you know, like someone like uh, Juan Toscano Anderson has been on the Warriors for uh, three years and never played with Klay Thompson. Um, (laughs) Wow. You know, and it's just like, and they they got out to this big lead, the Warriors, and are, you know, their first uh, in all of the NBA right now, have the best record in the league. Uh, and they largely did that without Clay Thompson. So, um, you know, I don't think things are like necessarily always completely additive. You know, it's one of those things where you have two great players um, and it feels like, you know, they never score 30 points or 40 points in the same, same game. So I don't know if it will be completely like um, just a perfect storm, but I, I, I certainly think the Warriors will be better with Clay Thompson. And, yeah. and as far as like um, just like basketball stuff, it was interesting. I think Clay was just, you know, dead set on getting shots up uh, in that game. He got shots up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, it was, like, I think, 18 shots in 20 minutes. 
and um and he was doing a lot of stuff off the dribble he was doing a lot of stuff in isolation and really what i wanted to say was that i think that the warriors are one of the league's best teams clearly they have the best record in the league i think they're a legitimate championship contender um and i think right now like i think they've dropped to 10th uh in the nba in offensive rating um and right now i almost feel like my concern for the group is more offense than defense um Steph Curry historically takes a small dip in efficiency in the playoffs um and they don't they no longer have Kevin Durant they don't have that typical you know traditional wing scorer but you could say uh, an interesting point is that the Suns don't either you know Devin Booker is their closest approximation um and I, I was really thinking about this like you know who would we feel like we would feel more comfortable relying upon uh, to get shots like late in a game in isolation or late in the shot clock in the playoffs, Devin Booker or Steph Curry. Obviously, I think Steph Curry's a better player and does more for your team as a whole, but like Booker's size and elevation on his jumper helps him get those like tough mid-rangers away. And so really all that to say, I was just thinking of Clay Thompson, you know, you know, Clay Thompson could be that player, could be that yeah. person who's taking those tough fadeaway mid-rangers, especially if somehow that's like what he's been working on more. Uh, in his time away, it certainly was like a big part of his performance on Sunday. So, yeah, I was just thinking like, you know, because it's the trade deadline is is coming up and there's a lot of chatter about who the Warriors can trade for what. And I think, you know, I'm not someone who's usually in Joe Lacob's corner, but I think that like he doesn't want to trade the young guys for a reason that I don't necessarily agree with. But I think he's right in that you do have to ask what trade actually makes the Warriors better and improves their championship odds. And so, you know, I think they're going to try to get a look at the team with Clay Thompson, then go from there. Right. Right. One of the ways I think we might see the Warriors improve in this, I, I was reading about the Nets actually, and somebody was pointing out that since uh, Joe Harris has been injured, the Nets three point shooting percentage was way down. And it's not just because of the shots of Joe Harris, it's because of Joe Harris stretching the defense and getting better open looks for his teammates. I feel like Clay's going to do this for Steph. People have been all over Steph's percentages and efficiency this year. That's my statistical prediction for the rest of the season. The Warriors get even better. Steph gets even better. And yeah, um, they, they, they could run the West. I wanted to put in a plug for Andrew Wiggins, though, here, because, you know, Jalen, you're saying that they don't have a, a, a traditional scoring wing. And certainly, you know, Andrew Wiggins is percentages um, even in a year of career efficiency are not Kawhi Leonard or LeBron James but he's exactly what the Warriors need right now and he's been excellent and if you watch you know league pass you hear the um, the away announcers you know um, always have a a nice bit on how they believe that he should be an all-star how this is a career year for efficiency and you know you heard it again on the NBA broadcast when they played Cleveland on Sunday night Um, yeah that you know just amazing you know athletic jam and second quarter i think it was um yeah so yeah i i I guess i still have i mean i agree i think wiggins is shooting he's definitely shooting having his best shooting season especially from three-point range i think he's around 45 percent right now i'll I'll look that up as we talk Uh, it's definitely above 40 percent 
but yeah, I guess I'm not immediately comfortable, like sort of relying on him as the sort of like KD, Kawhi Leonard mold isolation scorer late in the shot clock. I think a lot of his baskets come, um, you know, with a bent defense, either spotted up from three or attacking from the wings, which is obviously they're going to need. Like I do think but before they had KD, they didn't ever need that. You know, they, they st- really they had the luxury of having an isolation score when they had him and they didn't mind leaning on it, but it's, you know, they won a championship without it. They were a LeBron James block and a Kyrie Irving three away from winning another one. Um, And, and they could do it, you know, totally within themselves and totally within, you you know, a a perimeter game. It's true. It's true. Does that still hold though? Do you think like, I, I, I'm thinking of the development of the mid range game coming back and the way you sort of need that mid range inflection point to open up the three now. Like, I don't think you get the same perimeter looks with just guys on the perimeter anymore. Like they have to be able to put it on the floor or they have to have cutters opening up those spots. Yeah, I mean, I think I like I understand what Kyle's saying and to a certain extent agree in the sense that, um, you know, they were a historic performance or two historic performances in in three games from LeBron and Kyrie from winning another championship. Um, But, you know, I mean, I think it's fair to say, like, that is a question, right? Like Steph Curry is defying. Um, you know, the passage of time and age basically with his play this season, even though his percentages are down largely, I think he's equally as effective as he's ever been. But um, you do wonder like if there has been some age related decline, it, I think it is or will show up in his like isolation efficiency, particularly in the playoffs. And, you know, like what happened after they suffered all those injuries and the I guess that was a 2019 playoffs against the the Raptors, like when Steph was scoring like what, 40 points in 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 the playoffs when in the in the finals when he had no help. Essentially, they were doing all of their beautiful ball movement, beautiful man movement stuff, and no one could finish like the no one could really capitalize on the opportunities that his gravity was creating for them. And obviously they have better pieces around them now, like you know gp2 has is shooting like 60 percent from the field this year so obviously they have better players to take advantage of those opportunities but it's just something i'm thinking about right if i'm well that was one about their championship odds i'm like wondering do they have enough in that department yeah well the other you really don't want to see them trade away depth though we were saying even before clay got back that they were impressively deep and you know clay being back makes them even more impressively deep and it makes me think that some of the you know you talk about age-related decline a lot of that is associated with just the wear and tear of an 82 game season and if you've got all these players very competent nba players that you can mix and match going down the stretch here and get some rest for you know for steph and make sure that you're not pushing clay right off you know coming back from an injury um too much and you know probably draymond is going to you know need some uh some breathers here some between yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah between here and in in the playoffs because he goes at it really hard when they start um you know yeah i i don't know i just think that i know the bench you know it, it'll tighten up in the playoffs it yeah, some does, of it'll but, have to shorten some but it's it, yeah. but it's a huge asset from here to there 
of course yeah 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 no they yeah. have a ton of guys to roll out and some of them haven't they haven't even really developed yet the young guys who keep getting mentioned in trades but you know joe's unwilling to trade those guys haven't even showed up yet so yeah and i guess yeah we don't need to spend too much more time on this but i guess the only thing i would say like in the finals last year with the the bucks and and the suns like Giannis just has a uh, undeniability right that no one on the the Suns or the Warriors has right like just yeah. just the ability to put his head down and get to the basket and get to the free throw line and just conjure points out of thin air um, is not something that either of those teams have so they they're sort of reliant on their system on their movement on their shooting um, and you know early in that finals it was like the all the metrics were pointing to the fact that the Bucks were getting better shots, but they they were down 2-0 um because the Suns were shooting pretty well on, on three-pointers and maybe getting a little lucky on the opposite end. And so you could you're just like, I guess I'm just thinking like, is there any way to like build in small counters that like like a perfect example is like a popular trade uh scenario has been DeMontis Sabonis. And the reason I like I said, I think I agree with Joe Lacob's hesitancy to make a trade like that is because I mean, the truth is Kevon Looney is a better defensive player than DeMontis Sabonis, and he's definitely a better playoff defender. And every trade you could potentially make to sure up either the offense or the defense, like let's say they got Miles Turner in the opposite direction, which would make them maybe just like even harder to score on, even though they're already the number one defense. It's like you're giving up something, either depth or offensive fluency. You're, you have to give up something. You're losing something in all of those trades. So I do think it is actually quite difficult to like structure a trade that you can say firmly makes them better. Right, right. We uh, in in this uh, uh, Clay Day Warriors bit, we've mentioned LeBron incidentally. A- bunch of times i want to mention him specifically and explicitly here lebron james because our uh, our own kyle stein has noticed a statistical milestone that's coming up and does not seem at all to have registered for any of the sports media out there kyle yeah, take it they, away yeah are they <laughs> saving it up because it's really Maybe, obvious. i don't know we're close so, we're so close yeah so i'm I'm going to start by putting a name on it because I want to coin a name because I think that it's just too ripe for it. Yeah. Um, LeBron is approaching NBA's triple quintuple. That is, he is going, he, he will have, you know, he has over 30,000 points now, but he will have at least over 10,000 points over 10,000 rebounds and over 10,000 assists. And it looks like he could hit all of those, potentially even this year this year yeah 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 i did i did a little of the math so with assists he's sitting at let's see uh 9888 so 112 to go to 10,000 right i want to say this season he's averaging around six assists a game i may not have that exactly right but so give or take we're talking about 20 games played and he's going to cross the threshold for assists for rebounds he's even closer he's sitting at 9967 average around eight rebounds a game this season i want to say i also might have that wrong but he's going to cross that threshold in four or five games give or take so these are coming very very fast that's the traditional triple double but in ten thousands instead of tens yeah Yeah. no no no, yeah i googled it repeatedly every way i could and the phrase does not exist out there so kyle stein has coined triple quintuple 
the triple quintuple and <laughs> it's it's a little hard to say i wonder if it'll ever catch on but uh but we're gonna try because it's you know what else are they gonna call it and no one else has right. ever done it you know right. i i went here like nobody else may i mean it it's possible. I mean, yeah, I, I think we might it's get easy some other to start, players there. Yeah, but. it's easy to start with assists because there are fewer people at 10,000 assists than I, any I other stat I think LeBron will be the sixth. I can't exactly, remember. right? Yeah. And, so, and so you can basically go you know, through that list right there. And then, you know, you have your obvious examples of people who, you know, did who got a lot of triple doubles you know right. oscar robertson and right. uh and you know russell westbrook and you know russell westbrook himself could potentially reach that milestone someday he would do it on you know many fewer points than lebron would um but even he probably he, is never going to be able to really reach it close well i'll have to look him up yeah after, but um he could be very close yeah um Interesting. I, I, I dug into the, I, you know, this, um, your observation just led me to look even more at LeBron's numbers and a, a few other things sort of jumped at me. I just want to sort of throw them out there to um, at least if we're looking at counting stats, articulate his greatness in a few other ways. Um, he's number five in three throws, free throws attempted, 10,500. He's third in field goals made, 13,216. And there was another one. Oh, sorry, this is a bit of a negative stat. He, so 13,216 field goals made, 12,981 field goals missed. But those are three other 10,000 numbers, which would also give us a sextuple sextuple if we wanted to be <laughs> ludicrous about all of this. So um, there's, there's that too. But it, it just had me casting about, I was looking at some of the advanced stats as well. And here's one I, I, I was um, very interested in see value over replacement player lebron sits at 140 in second place distant uh way back um mj at 116 stockton's the only other player in history above 100 or above 100 at 106 everybody else is below 100 there and like i mean 140 over 116 is a massive statistical outlier like it's and and yeah so um uh, I just found it fascinating to sort of look at some of his stats and and use that for some of the counting. It also led me to the 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 point that some of the LeBron's numbers look really great because he came in the league when he was 18 and immediately put up numbers, uh, which a lot of players who are up there on the stat sheet didn't have the advantage of. Stockton didn't, um, Kareem didn't. Wilton, uh, all, all of that. But, you know, there's still ways we can compare these numbers and, and none of them diminish the, the greatness of LeBron's giant, giant numbers in so many ways here. So the quintuple, the, the triple, I'm not even going to get right. Yeah, the, the triple quintuple. quintuple. <laughs> oh, so that would have been the sextuple quintuple. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I had it wrong at the sextuple, like the sextuple quintuple. All right. Let's, let's stop saying difficult, um, words with multiple syllables and get to the Pistons who made one of the first trades in our trade season. They have bowl, bowl, bowl. bowl now. Yahoo players and fantasy managers went a little crazy picking up bowl bowl. I don't know if he's going to play. Do you guys think he's going to play? Are they going to give him minutes? I don't 
think so. I, I, I mean, Luca Garza has been playing really well. I mean, I would expect sure. him him to continue to get some opportunities going down the stretch. You know, um, as COVID injuries have happened, you know, he's slotted in as a starter a couple of times, and um, you know, they didn't win. I mean, but he looked competent. You know, he he, he was Slow he was a competent. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but the point is that that uh, you know we obviously have Isaiah Stewart. Um, you know, entrenched as a starter right. here. And uh, I don't, I don't think that anybody would think that bowl bowl would be entering into there. He's also a different kind of player. Yeah. Um, I mean, what's but, best case for bowl bowl. Bowl bowl's yeah, a like, two I'm, guard anyways. Okay. So bowl bowl, <laughs> bowl bowl. I mean, I mean, I don't know. Does Bay moves up to the four bowl bowl becomes the three. Can we do that? Like, I don't yeah. even know here. <laughs> I'm, yeah. I'm still playing Diallo over. Yeah. Bowl bowl. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I guess what I was going to say was that, um, you know, I don't know if I really expect him to play much this season, but I think he's got one more season yeah. uh, left on his contract or I believe yeah, so. Yeah. So I think they'll yeah, I think he's got one more season left on his contract and it just doesn't really make sense to acquire a player as polarizing and sort of interesting as him and not test him out especially when you're sure. in the middle of a tank uh if right. you're the Pistons so you know maybe with a with an off season and a training camp they'll be able to you know trust him on the floor and play him more and right. you know talk to him about what kind of role they for they see for him obviously I think you know Matt Moore tweeted this out hardwood proxorcisms um uh that like basically Bull Bull sees himself as a wing and you know you know, that yeah. that's difficult because he can't really defend wings. Uh, right. But I don't know if he can necessarily defend bigs either. Um, but obviously his offensive skill set is more geared to being a wing than a big man. So, um, you know, there's some difficulties there. It's like the, like, you know, he's like a rich man's Alexei Pokusevsky, who's like seven feet tall, but, you know, plays like a wing, but can't <laughs> defend either position. So right. um, at least Bull Bull can block some shots uh, in the right environment. Yeah, I mean, both of those guys, Bol Bol and Poku, are great if you're tanking. They they aid the tank mm-hmm. with some some rough lineups that just probably are not going to. And win. it's going to be really fun to watch him. I shouldn't say <laughs> I shouldn't say that that he's not going to get a chance to play. They they of course look at a shot. Give a sure, yeah, they give everybody like they a shot. Yeah, but. It's, it's hard whether, to see is all it, I'm saying. It's, it's hard, hard to see, to see, a see him, him working into to the lineup. I mean, talking about like the Pistons have a lot of players who are hard to imagine staying in the lineup. Um, but one who I want so badly to, um, to, to pan out and perform well, um, so much so that um, my daughter the other night when we were watching the game together, um, she was like, Killian Hayes. I really hope that he, or no, I, it's, I'm sorry, it's Killian Hayes. I really want him to do well because <laughs> she <laughs> hears me say it so often. <laughs> I'm like, I, I'll, I'll say to her every time that we see him on the court, I'm like, Killian Hayes, I really want him to do well. And, uh, and in some ways, you know, last night he did. He, you know, the, the story is going to be about Cade, um, sure. you know, and all the shots that he made. And, you know, he was, he was just, 
tremendous. I mean, he reminded everyone why he was the number one pick. But and Sadiq watching, Bay was great too. And Sadiq Bay was too. And well, the whole team was. You they they you know Trey Lyles played well. Yeah. You know they had they had timely contributions from really all of them. I mean, Josh Jackson got some time, and Hamadou has been great for quite a while here. Uh, but I really thought the turning point player um, was Killian. I mean, his defense starting the third quarter was really tremendous. I mean, there was there were two instances in particular. There's at the beginning of the third quarter, um, Donovan Mitchell is trying to back uh, Killian down and uh, Killian sort of forces him over to the baseline. And um, Isaiah Stewart comes over to help and. Donovan tries to turn out of it, but right at that moment, Killian slaps the ball away. It goes off his knee, goes out of bounds. They go right down the court. They, I can't remember who it was this time, but they hit a three-pointer. They go down the court again. Killian breaks up a pass. Hamadou Diallo picks it up, takes it down the court, and I think they dish it out to, to Cade in the corner for a three. And he was just kind of like that. He was just like he was just a menace yeah. all over the place, like making things difficult for them. And uh, you know it. Donovan got, had his moments. I mean, he had a couple of like, he, he's, he's like the way he, he, he moves his body reminds me of Dwayne Wade so much sometimes. I mean, like he just, uh, he just got it in his head. He was just going to like, I am going to dunk over you a couple times, like as, right. as the Pistons were getting a lead. Um, and, and then uh, Killian ends up, he gets knocked down on a drive and ends up hitting his, his like tailbone on the stanchion and um, he goes out of the game and, okay. uh, and really like the win comes after he went out of the game. But um, I just liked what I, th- what I saw. Yeah. I mean, like yeah. if he gets even a competent shot, he's going to be really valuable. And we still have to remember, I don't think Killian Hayes has still played a full season of NBA basketball yet. Like he, he's he, 20. Yeah. He's 20. Didn't play that many games last year. He hasn't played that many games this year. Like we, it hasn't looked great, but we still don't know. This could still happen. And Dwayne Casey believes. So I'm going to believe for now. Um, all right. We have, um, oh, there was one other thing I wanted to get to, and this happened a little bit uh, in our distant past uh, because we were off for a bit, but I want to mention the Kevin Porter Jr. Um, I don't even know what to call it. The, what, one of the latest reasons he was in the news. Uh, there was that game with the Nuggets a little while back, um, after which it was wildly and gleefully reported that Kevin Porter Jr. had thrown an object and left the arena after uh, being called out at halftime. And uh, those two things did happen. Everybody agrees on that. Um, but the, the, the glee with which this was reported, um, I found somewhat distasteful. And there's a lot of stigma being thrown around in the reporting too, which, which um, mostly seemed unaware in some ways, but was kind of was pretty mean spirited in some other ways. Um, There were a couple other things that happened in that game. Um, Christian Wood was benched to start it, uh, didn't play in the second half. It was wild. It was widely reported that Wood refused to play in the second half. Silas corrected that after the game and said it was a coach's decision. Um, it was still reported uh, that Wood had refused to play for, forever after this. So uh, nobody picked up that correction. But the other thing I want to mention here is that whatever happened in that locker room, it was reported as the assistant coach Lucas calling out players, um, presumably on effort level, uh, maybe execution. It was unclear what 
a lot of that content was. But this is another inflection point where we're seeing some old school coaches not do so well with some young players. And there has to be a point at which an organization with players like the Houston Rockets, and, by, and I don't mean anything particular about those guys, just any sports organization with players who they're paying millions of dollars, they have to recognize at some point that the best way to get the best out of people isn't necessarily calling them out in front of their colleagues and teammates. So I was very much encouraged, you know, everybody supported on social media seemed to support Lucas in that. Um, I don't, I disagree. And so I was very happy to see the Rockets organizational response after that. And I'm just going to read Coach Silas's one, or he, he had a bunch of quotes, but I just want to read one of them, which was for this to be blown out of proportion. Uh, he's asking a question back to a reporter there, but he's, then he's answering it and he says, it should not be. It should be a bump in the road. We continue on because if you really love somebody, you don't take one instance and say, that's it. You love them. And when stuff like this happens, you love them even more. I love that response from Coach Silas, and uh, there was a one-game suspension for both Wood and Porter, and the next game back, it was a tight game against the Wizards. KPJ hit a game-winning three. Uh, I loved his response to that. Um, the, la the last tweet he has on his social media was just game, period. And so uh, I'm glad KPJ has recovered from whatever this latest thing was. And I really hope the Rockets put it together that this sort of approach of Steven Silas as a coach uh, reaps some benefits and that in doing so, it encourages other coaches to have an approach more like his. So that's my yeah. take on that. Yeah. Where, where did you guys fall with all that? Yeah, I guess I just wanted to say, I mean, I think generally I'm, you know, pro increased sensitivity and support for uh, players and pro advancing the sort of typical norms of coaching. But I have to imagine, like, I mean, I think we should, I think it's important to note like John Lucas's own story and basically his role uh, with the Rockets. Like I think John Lucas is hired, if not for the sole purpose of like uh, ushering Kevin Porter Jr. through his career yeah. with that central, with that being central to his job, um, you know, John Lucas, former NBA player uh, who had who battled drug addiction in his career. So he's sort of he's definitely the sort of like father figure been in the shoes of someone with a, you know, a somewhat checkered past um, and trying to get on track and figure yeah. out how to make it work in the NBA. So I, I, I feel like it's important to mention that. And I guess along those lines, you know, maybe that doesn't like change the fact that calling someone out is maybe not the best method to to go about things but it also feels like if john lucas is calling you out then maybe you should probably just listen um and sure. and and also like i like i can't imagine that calling someone out is john lucas's first uh, tactic given his role with with within the organization and his own experiences with uh all the things that we just mentioned so i, I guess that's what i would say and then uh, you know i think we on this podcast are often like 
I think because we're not as tapped in as a lot of people, we don't know what the scuttlebutt about players are, right? We, we've been championing uh, Christian Wood's uh, abilities for a long time on this pod. Uh, Michael is benefiting from them in fantasy. Um, you know, I'm constantly befuddled at the fact that, you know, the Pelicans didn't sign him among other organizations. <laughs> yeah, uh, Detroit but, too. Yeah. yeah, but, but it seems at least with this event and then now there's some clips coming out about, coming out uh, uh, of him exhibiting sort of low effort now yeah. meaning it feels harder to sort of push those concerns about his effort level and commitment to winning rather than putting up individual stats um, right it, it feels harder to ignore those things it feels like there's certainly more steam behind them um, and that doesn't mean he can't change or anything but you know I would I would like to see that not be a concern right there's been reports that the younger players on the Rockets were saying you're supposed to be the old guy you're supposed to be the leader not someone who's like putting in low yeah. effort and that was part of the problem so you yeah. know I, I I would like to see better from Christian Wood I mean, I, w- I would like to see better from him too. And I think, but I think we have seen responses from both of these guys in really positive ways after some of these negative things have happened. And so I hope they keep responding in that way. Um, you know, and I completely agree with you about Lucas. He he has for years had a great reputation as, as sort of a, a player whisperer of sorts, somebody who can get guys to buy into what teams need. Um, I am wondering if there's been a shift, though. I, I, you know, he's a bit old school in that approach. And we all want to be and say, like, yeah, these guys are getting paid millions. They're doing this. They're doing that. They should just go do it. I don't know if it works that way for some people. And there has to be some recognition of that. Um, so, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I feel like, I don't feel like we know enough to really say, yeah, but I don't. mean, but, <laughs> we don't, I promise. Yeah. But, but I mean, I think I, I will definitely say that like the way the Cavs handled the situation, like essentially oh, yeah. moving Ke- Kevin Porter Jr.'s locker to another cordoned off area of the locker. Like that just seems like a clear example of not being supported by the organization who's supposedly um, betting on you in some way. So that doesn't seem to be the case here with the John Lucas situation. Yeah. Like I said, I don't think we really know enough to make too much of a judgment. Well, I mean, that was one of the things and I didn't even want to get into it. Um, You know, I don't know enough. You don't know enough. The media also doesn't seem to know enough here and all of the comments on social media definitely don't know enough. Um, So yeah, uh, I'm just hopeful the, 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 Rockets figure it out here. I find them an incredibly fun team to watch, and I, I hope it comes together. I hope everybody involved here, Lucas, Kevin Porter Jr., Steven Silas, Christian Wood, I hope everybody learns from this. I hope NBA fans do too. I would love to see a turnaround there. So, um, all right, our other topic for this week, coming back to our ongoing trade discussion, um, we mentioned Bol Bol already. Um, there was one other trade. I'm, I'm blanking on who. The Jazz sent somebody out who was immediately waived by the Thunder. Uh, Mie um, Oni. Yeah, Oni. Um, that's about all we've seen so far. There's been a lot of other talk. Anything you guys are hoping for? Uh, Rondo's on the Cavs now. Oh, right, that's Rondo. The other thing. They're still looking, too. I think they're still out there looking for a point guard, especially since Rondo's played a little already. I think they realize they might need some more help. 
Yeah, I mean, I would love to see Miles Turner on my beloved Hornets, but I fear that they would have to give up too much draft equity in order to make that move. But I mean, it would certainly help them. I mean, they just don't have anyone to deter attacks on the basket, although they managed to beat the Bucks, who were without uh, Drew Holiday uh, in back-to-back games recently. As long as the Bucks don't play the Hornets in the playoffs, they should be fine. <laughs> <laughs> well, and, and I thought PJ was playing a pretty stout five there against the Bucks. I, I caught some of that and, and, yeah, I mean, I, he's PJ, PJ Washington is good. <laughs> I think he's shooting the ball pretty well this year. Every time I watch the games, it seems like he's making a couple threes a game. I just not sure if he has like the size to really like deter people at the basket. Yeah. You know, it, it's really yeah. interesting. Like even someone like cat, who I think is like a legitimate six eleven, um, doesn't really seem like much of a deterrent, even someone like, Jokic is a little bit better than Cat, but if the offensive players get a runway, you know, it's almost yeah. like he's not even there when he's at the basket, which is why they they have him like uh, higher up uh, in the screening action. Right. So, yeah, it, it seems like you kind of have to be a certain build, uh, have a certain size and wingspan to really affect shots at the basket. And the Hornets just don't like have anyone that can do that. And, and you know, I mean, they, they're still having some success, but I think long term, they're definitely going to need another solution. I mean, they do have some young guys who have been playing well. Cody Martin, uh, Jalen McDaniels. Does, does, that, does that get them anywhere with the Pacers for Turner? Plumley going out, obviously, with them. But yeah, yeah, I don't know. It, it'll be interesting to see. Um, yeah, I mean, I feel like there's a lot of teams that should be making trades. I just feel like they, I don't know if they are. You know, when I was writing my Sunday recap for Razball, I was like, uh, the Hornets need to make a trade. The Kings need to make a trade. The, <laughs> yep. you know, the, the Jazz, the, the Suns, Pacers, the, the Rockets. Like, the what Pacers, is Pacers, the Pistons, the Cavaliers, the Knicks? Yeah. yeah, you can just keep going. Why, why at this point, I'm sort of wondering why is Jay Sean Tate on the Rockets? Like, he's young enough and like he can be the adult in the room, but at the same time, like, uh, what is he doing there? What is Daniel Tice doing there? What is yeah. Eric Gordon doing there? Yeah. Um, you know, like the the Pistons just traded for Bull Bull. What is Jeremy Grant doing there? Yeah. Um, the you know we're about to talk about the Jazz. The Jazz are getting roasted without uh, Rudy Gobert on the floor. They can't stop anyone, and people are like, "Oh, I don't think they have the scratch to like get a Jeremy Grant trade." I mean, they certainly don't have the players, but like, why don't they just trade two first round picks? I mean. Yeah. I don't, I mean, they're not going to be high, high first round picks. Obviously we assume that the jazz will be good, but um, what's the best deal for Jeremy Grant? You know, a popular trade has been uh, Patrick Williams. Yeah. Yeah. Patrick Williams. And I'm sort of like, I think I would do that trade. Um, I mean, I I would do that that for both sides. And that's the one that has felt the most right. I don't see the jazz quite getting there. Um, I, I like that a lot. Um, some stuff's been floated with the warriors, but I don't think the warriors would move some of their young guys for him. I mean, the, um, could, could the bulls really make the finals with Jeremy Grant? I mean, I think they maybe could. I, I, I mean, the, the nets look questionable right now. The bucks yeah. look vulnerable right now like who's gonna stop them <laughs> who's gonna yeah. stop the chicago bulls i mean john collins for ben simmons um and yeah but they, there is no way I mean, the, the sixers do not need and i can't imagine want john collins 
Well, uh, they, they do if, if there's been all the talk of tying Tobias Harris to the Simmons trade as a way to get something that the Sixers want of value back. And so, yeah, uh, but that, that's something that up, wouldn't, wouldn't, wouldn't be John Collins for sure. It would be, I've seen Collins I mean, and would, Reddish for Harris and Simmons. Just, just to make the money work if both Simmons and yeah. Harris are in the deal. But that, it, it, like, I think Kyle, you were saying you wanted to bag on Daryl Morgan. He's, he's trying to package uh, Tobias Harris with Ben Simmons. It's just like, oh, so now you want your, we want your, you want us to take your runoff, your bad contracts, like your, you know, the throwaway stuff. situations <laughs> on the to, team. To go yeah. along with the fact that you refuse to come down on your high asking price for Ben Simmons. Which I'm he's so, trying to cover with the add a hair, adding on Harris there. Like I'm he's so trying to cover the, 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 the bad approach he's had here. I'm so sick of him. Man, I really want him to. I just want this to just burn. I, I, mean, I, this, I just crash and burn on him so bad. Like, are we waiting for this Simmons domino to fall before anything else is going to happen on the trade market? Is it Simmons and, and Grant before anything else happens? Maybe. I mean, the the thing is, there are like reasonable deals for Ben Simmons. Yeah. Daryl Morey is to, just to not you. taking them. <laughs> to, to, <but> not, <laughs> not, not just to me, to like no, I mean, most to millions of basketball fans, people. just not yeah. Morey. <laughs> and, and like part of it seems to be, and I've heard other more tapped in people in the NBA media talk about this, the fact that they believe to a certain extent, or they're hopeful that Ben Simmons will just come back and play if he's not traded at the trade deadline. And I'm just like, why would he do that? <laughs> like, I just don't yeah. understand why he would it's, do that. I, it's really hard to see him showing up in the lineup, at, you know, in March, whenever. And everybody's just like it was last season. Like, it's not going to happen. It's never going to be last season again before that happened. It's never going to be that. Yeah. It's it's done. What is it? you can't put the genie back in the bottle, the toothpaste no. back in the tube, whatever. It's 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 all over. out. It's all it's all over everything. It's a mess. Um, all right. Yeah, I mean, so, that's the toughest part of the Sixers trade is just what player could they get back that they would make a trade? I mean, because yeah. it's clearly not John Collins, and they don't want either of the you know the Sabonis or Miles Turner. They don't want any of the kind of like bigger names that we know are on the market and so it's like what could even happen here i mean shay would the thunder be willing to trade shay for ben simmons (laughs) maybe (laughs) i I mean mean, like that would be a good one and i i don't know that it's a terrible move for the thunder either i mean like do they want tyrese halliburton and harrison barnes like they probably would feel like that's not enough but i mean it's that would be crazy because that's an amazing trade for them you know? <laughs> but but I feel like Daryl Morey would be it. like, no, like, what are you kidding? Are you kidding me? That- well, it's just like Daryl Morey <laughs> take an all star two years from now rather than someone who was an all star two years ago, right? Like, why why do you want someone who has been an all star when you can get someone who will be an all star? And Tyrese Halliburton is going to be an all star. I mean, he's really good. Yeah, yeah. He's he's like top twenty five in fantasy like the past like two weeks. He's very good. Yeah, I mean, 
I, I still, I, I don't think that Maury would do it, but it just seems like the, the De'Aaron Fox for Ben Simmons, um, you know, is a really good trade, you know, have the, have the Kings fill in stuff around it and like make it happen. And honestly, maybe the Kings can figure out a way to take on Tobias Harris too, because like, they're just a trash fire and nobody cares. Like <laughs> you're, you're getting players who are good, right? Bring in Ben Simmons and Tobias Harris and try to hold on to Tyrese Halliburton and trade De'Aaron Fox and whoever, whatever else you need I to, mean, to just make it happen. If I'm the Kings and I'm taking Tobias Harris, you're giving me picks. I'm not sending you picks if That's I'm taking true. Tobias Harris. Like, like I, I didn't mean, say picks. I said that you're going to need to match salary. So you, yeah. get to, you get to dump a little salary too, you know, of different kinds, whatever, to fill out to Tobias Harris. But they would still be way better. Tobias Harris is a good player and he would be good in Sacramento. He'd be good with those players around him. Yeah. I think that that sort of deal is one that would probably have to happen in the off season just because there's so much salary and the Kings don't have that many dudes who make enough money to match. They would probably have to send like four players back or more. And so it'd be hard to like manage the rosters, but yeah, I mean, I agree. I don't I, care like, about I think... feasibility. Just make it happen. <laughs> these are the te- these are the teams that I want to watch play. Yeah. No, I mean, I think there's a like every like every time we come to the pod up until the trade led deadline, we just keep saying there are deals out there for Ben Simmons. Daryl Morey just doesn't want to take them. Yep. Yep. All right. Let's move on to our actual last topic. The Utah Jazz. Not somebody we often not a team we often talk about here. Isn't it because their fans are always complaining that no one ever talks about them? <laughs> I think it's a self-fulfilling prophecy to some extent. If they're saying that, it makes me not want to talk about them more. But I think we have to talk about them because the Jazz right now, known widely as a great defensive team with a great defensive center, are leading the league in offensive rating and are actually doing it at a historic level. The only teams... Um, Jalen, you'll, you'll have to correct me on this if I have it wrong, but I think the only teams that have higher ratings than them or even the top six currently, they all happen in the bubble. This is, and this is happening outside of the bubble where everybody's offensive rating is a little bit lower, making it even more remarkable what the Jazz are doing here. Um, Jalen, what you got on the Jazz? Yeah, I mean, uh, I mentioned them in our pre-show lead-up because I read an article by Tony Jones where uh, he was pretty firm in saying that the Jazz are not a serious championship contender right now because their defense just isn't good enough. Um, and, you know, the impetus or the the sort of thinking being that they just need to lock in more and improve their defense, especially so with um, – Rudy Gobert and health and safety protocols right now. That's a big part of what their defensive struggles at the moment. But as I was reading the article, I'm just like, I don't, I don't know if locking in is going to fix anything when you have (laughs) Joe Ingles, um, you know, an an aging Mike Conley um, and Bogd and Bogdanovich on the floor. Like, I mean, I think you probably just need to make personnel upgrades and every time they the jazz sign someone on a 10-day hardship right now it's a wing it's like a semi-athletic wing that they that has some kind of defensive pedigree yeah (laughs) that they're hoping can defend 
And so, I mean, I said this in the last podcast, I just don't understand why they wouldn't do everything possible to get in on the Jeremy Grant sweepstakes. Yeah. Um, or, you know, Harrison Barnes, just like they need to improve their defense. Like, uh, like they, they can't rely on Rudy Gobert to do everything. Like it's just not going to work. We've seen it not work. They're 12th right now in the league in defensive rating, uh, which is like very abnormal for the jazz. Right. And, you know, I mean, I don't know if I totally agree with the article. Like I think the jazz are a semi-serious title. Like I wouldn't pick them over the warriors or the Suns um, by any means, but but you did just name the three teams with a net rating seven or above the Golden State Warriors, the Utah Jazz, and the Phoenix Suns. Every other team in the league is below five. Yeah. Like, I mean, you just, you <laughs> can't really deny what they've done. And I, I do think it does kind of seem like their offense, I mean, minus uh, Donovan Mitchell, who, who has scored incredibly well in recent playoffs, but it does seem like they do hit like a, cold shooting streak in the playoffs every year you know where the variance kind of hurts them rather than helps them but I just think they have a foundation that is really good but I do agree that like they should be you know exhausting every resource to improve their team if they want to be taken more seriously you know I'm historically just like not a jazz believer but um, you know, Donovan Mitchell is playing a lot better this year on the offensive end. He's finishing better around the basket. He's shooting, I think, a little bit more efficiently this season from from two. Um, and overall, his three-point efficiency is down, however. But, yeah, you know, like, if Donovan Mitchell can be the engine for a playoff offense as we've seen him be in the past, they need to shore up the defense because Rudy Gobert can absolutely be the engine for a playoff defense. If there aren't literally like a million holes in the boat, then he's trying to cover them all, you know? <laughs> right. Well, I think those holes in the boat are the issue here though. Right. I, I, I keep thinking of the chapter in the Seth Partnow book that was basically saying, you know, here are these guys that are good or good enough in the regular season. And when you play in the playoffs, everybody's really good and these guys are now go from being above average players in the regular season to below average players in the playoffs i think that's that that's bohan that's ingles might even be conley at this point um yeah so i think you know without some changes in personnel and i think the utah jazz probably would benefit more than any other team from acquiring jeremy grant i just don't know how they do it yeah i mean i think the jazz are like a rich rich man version of the hawks right now like they have uh you know <laughs> yeah mitchell, nice. i like it mitchell is not as like heliocentric as trey um but like when the hawks were good last year it's because clint, clint capella had the best defensive season of his career he was a legitimate defensive player of the year candidate and they had a, a heliocentric like dominant efficient uh driver of offense in trey young who's actually having a better season this year somehow um but you know, they don't have Clint Capella's worst this year. So the Hawks are struggling on the defensive end and they also have a bunch of holes in the boat. You know, Deandre yeah. Hunter's injured uh, Cam Reddish twisted his ankle in the game against the Clippers the other day. I was watching that game. Bogdanovich um, has been out for long stretches has and been bad. Uh, a <laughs> has been, has is only now getting rolling. So it just seems like his flashes have been great though. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't know. I think I'm, Does I think Collins- I'm ready. 
I, I, I have to ask a Hawks question because I, I haven't caught them in a couple of weeks. Does Collins have a right to complain about his role, do you think? Well, you know, that was news to me. I was reading about that a bit today, but yeah, that, I mean, that was sort of news to me. I mean, he's having a great season. Like that's just, like, I'm carrying him on a, one of my fantasy teams. I'm like, he looks great to me. <laughs> yeah. He's been super efficient and you know, whatever complaints he has, the game against the Clippers was a poor showing for him. He didn't play particularly well. And this was without Clint Capella. And I think on right. Conwu started or, you know, played primarily at center whenever Collins wasn't. And it just, the defense, defense was not very good so I mean he didn't really do himself any favors for the idea of like we can (laughs) trade Clint Capella and then trust John Collins to play center more of the time along with Onyeka Kongu but yeah I I don't know it's really tough like I'm sort of what I was gonna say was I think I'm ready to I'm out on Cam Reddish I think I'm ready to like (laughs) move on like the way he twisted his ankle in the game like he made one quick like maneuver and twisted his ankle and I was just like what is going on here like it was just such a weird play um and I don't know I'm just like I'm not sure if if the Cam Reddish thing is ever gonna pan out yeah yeah um a lot of people are still very hopeful for him a lot of fantasy people um think he could still be a beast but um it's getting harder and harder to see yeah uh, i mean he had a nice showing in the playoffs too last yeah. year he played some really good defense i mean i think he just has to accept the problem is that he if he takes more than two dribbles something bad tends to happen and he's not a good enough shooter to like live under the no more than two dribbles rule like that's the Danny Green rule but he's not a Danny Green level shooter (laughs) and so like you know he's sort of a man without a country if he can play the defense he played in the playoffs and shoot at like 38 percent from three uh or better then that's a real player yeah I mean you know the Hawks already have guys um Bogdanovich Herter Hunter you know, doing many of the same things that Reddish does, but better and more effectively mm-hmm. at times. Um, I mean, they have to let somebody go. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they, they, that's certainly what uh, Travis Schlink is said in his, his radio interview where yeah. he was saying it might not be, might not have been the best idea to bring everyone back. And yeah, just as I say that, I'm looking at the stats. Cam Reddish is shooting 37% from three this year, but he's shooting 42% on twos and 40% uh, from the field overall. Right. And I mean, it's just, I, I think the sort of wing scorer playmaker is further along down the road than anyone would like. But, you know, he's already shooting 37% on four threes a game, which is up from 26% last season and 33% his rookie year. So, you know, he's definitely made some strides this year. There have definitely been moments throughout the year where it looked like it would work. But between all the injuries and the inconsistency and the poor shooting from two-point range and the lack of ball handling, I'm sort of worried that we're waiting for a pop that isn't going to happen. Yeah, yeah, it's starting to feel that way. All right, that is week 13 for the Shot Tower Pod. We are turning off the Phantom Power. Cheers. My prediction here 
is that you're going to see the Grizzlies beat the Warriors tonight and come into a tie or a virtual tie with the Jazz. 